excuses. Man, God is going to do a work in these next three weeks as we go over um, this. I believe God is going to do a shifting in here. So let's just open up in a word of prayer. Would you guys bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are the great I am, that we can go to you with anything and for anything. And God, you are with us. You sent your son, Jesus, to be Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, I pray today as we talk about some difficult things, Lord Jesus, excuses that we make for not obeying you and fulfilling what you've called us to do. God, I pray that you would just help us realize with you we can do all things. God, I thank you for helping us realize that there is nothing impossible for God. I pray that you would increase our faith in this place today. God, those who are discouraged, God, I thank you for bringing encouragement to them in Jesus' name. Those who are doubting, God, I thank you for bringing a strong resolve in Jesus' name. Those, Lord Jesus, who are heavy burdened, God, I thank you that they can give it to you, God, and that you will give them rest. In Jesus' name, have your way. Amen. Amen. So we're talking about no more excuses, and this is going to be fun. Uh, George Washington, our first president, said this. It is better to offer no excuse than a bad one. See, no one likes to hear excuses. The very word makes us kind of tired, right? Any parent in here, they've heard their share of excuses. It wasn't my fault. Someone else did it. That's why I did it. Well, I forgot about I forgot about that project that I, I'm telling you about the when it's due tomorrow. And we don't have all the supplies. Come on. We've heard our share of excuses. It's tiring, isn't it? This is the thing. The very word makes us frustrated the very word of excuses we all know that the bottom line of excuses is a reason for failure but are they see an excuse is a reason we give for not doing what someone else expects us to do the dictionary definition is this an excuse is attempt to lessen the blame attaching to a fault or offense seek to defend or justify. Ooh. See, we not only make excuses for missing our schoolwork, students, or not coming to church. We forgot to set that alarm. We're going to see this here in about 10 minutes. Who forgot that? <laughs> you know, or missing work, or for our bad attitude, or our bad habit. Or behavior. Not only do we make excuses for that, but it gets worse when we make excuses for when God is impressing us to do something or, or calling us to do something, and we make excuses to not do it. That's the worst kind of excuse, friends. See, Moses, who is one of the greatest men of God, he made some pretty big excuses in the Bible. And I believe that if Moses, who the Bible said, really, there was no other man like him before him or after him, if even Moses made excuses, I'm pretty sure most of us have made some excuses in our life. Yeah. 
And so we're going to break down in the next three weeks some of the most common excuses. And today, the common excuse that we're going to talk about and we're going to break it down and we're going to debunk it is, I don't know how. When my kids ask me to turn on the TV, I give that excuse. I don't know how. (laughs) You know, we give that excuse all too often. It's a common excuse, and it's the excuse that Moses gave when God called him. And so today, we're going to learn five reasons we make that excuse. I don't know how. Because there's usually a reason behind the excuse And we're going to debunk them and we're going to say in the name of Jesus, that is not a reason. And we're not going to fall into it anymore. And when God calls us to do something, we're not going to give the excuse. I don't know how, God. We're going to say, here I am. Send me. Isn't that the heart of every servant of God? Here I am. Send me. And so here's the five common reasons behind that excuse, that very common excuse. I don't know how. And these are the reasons that Moses used. And these are some of the reasons that we use. Number one, when we say, I don't know how, what we're really saying is we got identity issues. Identity issues, identity issues. Man, identity is so important. It seems like every time I've been preaching here lately, I've been talking about identity. See, this is what Moses said in Exodus 3.11 when God was calling him. And Moses said unto God, who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. The who am I, my identity, I don't really know who I am. See, identity plays a huge role in a person's confidence. Moses was saying, who am I? And what he was really saying is, I don't believe in myself. It's hard for us sometimes to believe in ourselves when we don't know who we are. See, I believe that this was probably the most genuine reason that Moses gave in in this excuse thing that we see in Exodus 3 and 4 when God, when he encountered God at the burning bush. So he encountered God at the burning bush, and the very first reason to his excuse of I don't know how was, well, who am I? I think that's something that we all struggle with from time to time. Who, Who are we? Who am I? And so today I want us to realize that God, when he calls us, he knows who we are. When we get to know God, we get to know who we are in him. See, Moses, we may may not realize that Moses, I believe, had a lot of abandonment issues, maybe some rejection issues. Because, see, Moses was, in a sense, given up by his mother and father, put in a basket and sent in the Nile River. He was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. He was not... In a sense, he was adopted, if you will, and was raised as an Egyptian. And he had some identity issues. He wasn't really sure who he was. As he grew, he realized, well, I'm not really like the rest of these Egyptians. And then he saw his own people who were enslaved, and he thought, but I'm not quite like them either. Who am I? See, oftentimes when we go through that identity crisis, it's because we feel like we don't quite fit in. And a lot of times it's from rejection from our past, maybe from our childhood or growing up 
Or maybe we feel like we come into the church and we, and we see how a family of God should behave. And we see, oh, look at that family over there. And, and I would like to have a godly family like that. But I don't really know how to be like that because I don't know really who I am. I've never seen this demonstrated. I don't quite feel like I fit in. The thing is, Moses couldn't understand his identity until he understood who God is and who God was. He, he's the one who is, who was, and is to come. Mo, Moses might have felt abandoned by his parents. He might have felt a little bit of rejection. But those excuses, friends, it does. God loves to take people who have some real issues and use them. The Bible says he takes the foolish to confound the wise. So if you're in this place today and you say, you know what? I still have some abandonment issues from my childhood. I still have some rejection issues that I've gone through. Friends, God wants to take you despite the issues that you have gone through. And he wants to use you to be a testimony to the world around you. Sometimes the hardest thing we have gone through in our life, God allowed to prepare us for who we will become. Lisa Bevere says it like this. The attack on your life doesn't have so much to do with who you have been in the past, but who you will be in the future, friends. Romans 8:28 says it like this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So Moses is sitting here with his encounter with God at the burning bush. And the first thing he says is, who am I? Who am I that you would send me? Showing his identity issues. But then the next question that he asked is so important. In Exodus 3.13, he says, suppose I go to the Israelites and they say, the God of your father has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell him? See, in essence, his first question was, who am I? But his second question was this, who are you? See, friends, it's the same thing with Peter. When Peter had the revelation that you are the Christ, when Jesus asked his disciples, who are people say that I am? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist and some say Elijah, you know, came back. And he said, but who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of God. And he said, this has not been revealed to you by man, but this has been revealed to you by the father. And then he looked at Peter and said, and you are Peter, the rock and whom I'm going to build my church. See, Peter had to understand who God was to understand who he is. And Moses had to understand who God is to understand who he is. Friends, and all of us, has, we have to get to the point that we understand who God is before we understand who we are. Identity, so important. Early on in Moses' walk with God, there became a deep desire to know God. God answered Moses in Exodus 3.14, I am who I am. The I am is the all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere present God who desires to be fully trusted by his people. Once Moses began to understand that God is, he began to realize who he is. Our identity is found in Christ alone, friends. Emmanuel, his name literally means God with us. Our identity has to be found in Christ. If we want to know who we are, we are not who our parents were. We are not the circumstances we were raised in. We are not 
the school we went to or the neighborhood we grew up in. We are God's children if you have been born again. And our identity has got to be found in Jesus. The next time you doubt your identity, begin to seek God for who he is. Go to the Lord and say, who are you? Show me yourself. Show me your glory. Show me your greatness. And once you see God's greatness and who he is, friends, you're going to remember who you are. I love this verse. One of my favorites in Galatians 2, 20, verse 20. says, I have been crucified with Christ that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Who I am, I am a daughter of God. Who are you, friends? Who are you? I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. When God looks at me, he sees Jesus in me. We've got to remind ourselves who we are. Our identity is in Christ, and he, is, he knows everything, so we don't have to know everything. We don't have to know it all. Because he is the all-knowing. So no more excuses. No more excuses. Say it with me. No more excuses. Our identity is in Christ. So when we feel like we want to say, but God, I don't know how, because of our identity issues, we have to remember our identity is in Christ. No more excuses. And then sometimes we want to have Another reason behind our I don't know how is we've kind of touched on it, but a little bit different than identity issues, and it's insecurity issues. Can can you say it with me? Insecurity issues. See, Moses didn't think God could use him because he was insecure. Not only did he very likely feel abandoned and rejected, but he also felt like a failure. See, you may recall, if you've ever seen any of the Prince of Egypt cartoons or movies or if you've actually, you know, read the Bible yourself in Exodus, you might recall that there was a time that Moses was out among the Hebrews and he saw an Egyptian uh, slave master beating a Hebrew slave and he stepped in. There was something inside of Moses before he even met God or had a revelation of God that wanted to save his people. And so he stepped in and on his own, in his flesh, he tried to rectify the situation and end up um, killing the Egyptian. It was ma- manslaughter at, at best and murder at worst. But he stepped in and took situation in his hands. Well, he felt like such a failure from that, that he ended up fleeing from Egypt and was in the desert for 40 years. Now, mind you, it was at this point, 40 years later, and he remembers what he did, that he encountered God at the burning bush. So for 40 years, he was hiding as a refugee in the desert. And that's when he encounters God. Friends, sometimes when we fail, we run. Friends, oftentimes the reason for our insecurity is because we take the matter into our own hands instead of wait on God. Oh, man. That one for me, it's like, ouch. Wait in prayer, walk in power. Quote by Josh Hester. 
Man, friends, sometimes we have insecurity issues because we want to solve it ourselves. We, we, we say, you know what, I'm not going to wait on God for his answer and what he thinks. I'm going to just go and take care of the situation. How often do we move or act outside of God's timing? Think about it. Then we don't wait on God and we feel like a failure and it ends up stunning our growth. And we, and we just stay in that place. Things don't always work out like you expect it to. But we need to trust that God is sovereign, that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And he does not work within the way that we work. He's outside of that box that we want to place him in. See, we have insecurity issues when we put too much faith in our own ability and not enough faith in God's ability. Come on, somebody. When we put too much faith in our own ability and then we mess up and then we're insecure. Instead of putting our faith in God's ability. No more excuses. God is bigger than your insecurity. Can we say that? God is bigger than my insecurity. Come on, y'all. I'm making you talk to me today because I know this is hitting home for some of us. God is bigger than our insecurity. When we look at ourselves and we see our mistakes and our shortcomings and the things that we haven't done quite right, the bad attitudes that we tend to fall into, the way when we're hurt and we want to lash out in anger as our defense, and we have all these things that we build up around ourselves to protect us. We don't realize that we're operating in the flesh because it's our insecurities that we're operating in. And God is bigger than our insecurities. God was bigger in the fact that Moses failed. God was bigger than the fact that Moses took the situation into his own hands and now he was afraid to go back to Egypt. God was bigger than all of that. But Moses had to realize who God was and Moses had to realize that his failure does not define him friends i want to tell you today i don't care how many times you have failed i don't care how many times you've went back to drugs i don't care how many times you've went back to your old ways i don't care how many times you've tried to do things in your own flesh you've tried to solve it with your own mental capacity i don't care how many times you've made the same mistake you've said the same bad thing to your child to your spouse to your boss i don't care how many times that you go back into the same way god is bigger than your failure our we cannot allow our failures to define us any longer We've got to learn to fail forward. When we, when we fall, we've got to learn to get back up and keep on going, friends. Let's learn from our failures and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. I need you. So God is bigger than our identity issues. God is bigger than our insecurity issues. And it's time for no more excuses. Say it with me. No more excuses. So another reason that Moses gave behind his big, I don't know how God, was inadequacy issues. He felt inadequate. Moses didn't think he was good enough or strong enough. How many of us can relate? He doubted if God could use someone like him to prove to Moses that God would be with him. God did a little show and tell with Moses. 
I kind of like that. He did a little show. He took Moses back to kindergarten, friends. He said, <laughs> I know you feel inadequate, but let me let me show you. It's not really about you. It's about that I'm with you anyway. So here, let's let's do this little show and tell. And here we are in, in Exodus four. And he, he from two to five, I'm going to read this to you. It says, then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it to the ground. Moses threw it to the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of that snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Couple things in this little small passage I just read to you. One, God oftentimes wants to use what is in your hands. We a lot of times feel inadequate for the job that God is asking us to do. We feel inadequate for the calling of God on our life. We feel like we can't do it. The, a couple Wednesdays ago at our Bible study, um, it's been a really a good season in our Bible study, and we've had a lot of great discussion. But Pastor Joshua said something that I heard him say before but you know sometimes when you hear something it like clicks for the first time and he said I have never felt ready for the next season of life I didn't feel ready for marriage I didn't feel ready for each child I didn't feel ready to plant the church the first time and I you know sometimes I don't feel ready for what God is calling me to do now and I thought man how awesome was that to hear our leader say be so raw and so real and say I feel inadequate in so many words, I don't feel ready. But God says, but look at what I have given you. What is in your hand? I've already given you everything you need. That's what God is saying to us today. He's already given us everything that we need. And even though we feel inadequate and we don't feel ready for what he's asking us to do, we don't feel ready to raise a godly family. We don't feel, we don't know how, we don't know how to stay clean. We don't know how to be sanctified. We don't know how to live holy. We don't feel ready. We feel insecure. We feel like we have identity issues and, and we don't understand. We feel inadequate. But God is saying, what is in your hand? What have I already given you? But then he asks us to take what's in our hand and get this, friends. And let it down. Take what's in our hand and throw it down. Take what we feel like we hold on to. It helps us walk. It's our staff. It keeps us going. It's our crutch. And it and it, it guides us and it and it gives us comfort. And he said, I gave it to you, but now I'm asking you to lay it down. And friends, just like Moses, when we do that, we oftentimes want to run. Look at him. He looked at that snake. He said, oh, let me get up out of here. And God said, no, 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 no. Don't run for what I gave you. Pick it back up. Friends, isn't that what God has called us to do? To lay down our life that he gave us to lay it down and then to pick it back up with the power of God. Friends, isn't that what we have done, been called to do through Christ? But I feel inadequate. It's not about what you feel. It's about who God is. It's time to lay it down, friends. And it's time to pick it back up with the power of God. God will make you pick up 
the thing he placed in your hand. This verse has been a verse that I believe is for this one I'm about to read to you for vision ministry, South Toledo, especially friends. I've been praying this verse for about a year over our body. And it's found in second Peter one, three, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. You have everything you need for life and godliness, friends. There is no more excuses. You have everything you need for life and godliness. Everything you need, he has given to you. You have everything you need. For life and godliness. But I don't know how to live the abundant life. I'm so focused on the first part of John 10. 10 the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That I don't know how to live. the. But God has come to give me life. And that more abundantly. You have everything you need. For life and godliness. You need to just take what he has given you. And lay it back down at his feet. And then when he says pick it up. You need to pick it back up. And you need to walk with it. Because he's given it to you friends. He's given it to you. No more excuses. No more excuses. You have what you need to do what God has called you to do. Say it with me. No more excuses. Well, we've covered a few things here, pretty strong things, identity issues, insecurity issues, feeling inadequate. And then this next thing of, well, I don't know how. One of the most obvious things is ignorance, ignorance issues. Friends, ignorance is not bliss. It really isn't. See, we see this in Exodus 4, 10 and 12. It says, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight and makes them blind? If it's not I, the Lord, now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. He was afraid of not knowing what to say. He was unsure of his abilities. He was feeling a little uneducated, a little ignorant about all that God has called him to do. This is the thing. We need to stop using that excuse. I don't know how. Because if you don't know how, learn how. That's it. If you don't know how, learn how. And if God has called you to do something that you don't know how to do, best believe he's going to teach you. You know, the Holy Spirit is called our teacher. <laughs> There's no Bible course that you can take that's going to teach you what the Holy Spirit's can teach you there's no curriculum that you can get your hands on there's no bible study that you can go to there's no college education that you can have that can teach you what the holy spirit wants to teach you it's just good old-fashioned get before the lord and allow him to teach it to you i had someone recently asked me well is there some kind of course i can take to help me better understand the bible i said 
Well, yes, there's things that you can take, but do you read your Bible? Do you spend time with God in your Bible daily or at least a few times a week? And do you sit and listen? Because that is the best course to help you understand your Bible. Open it up, dust it off, and read it. And then say, God, what does this mean to me? If you don't know how, learn how. Learn how. Ignorance is not an excuse that's acceptable to the Lord. Because he likes to take the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God equips those he calls. God is all-knowing. So he doesn't need to have your know-how anyway. No more excuses, friends. It's time to learn how to follow God. Say it with me. No more excuses. So finally here, we're going to come down to the last reason Moses used that excuse of, I don't know how, God. He's al- he already tried the insecurity and the identity issues and the feeling inadequate and the ignorance. And now finally this last reason was flat out insubordination. <sighs> insubordination issues, friends. God has been patient with Moses this whole way through. And then we see here in Exodus 4, 13 and 14, but Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Come on. How many of us have been there? God, just send someone else. I don't want to do it. (laughs) Yeah, it's the complete opposite of here I am, Lord, send me. It's God, send someone else. Not me, Lord. God, please send Pastor Josh to pray for that person in the hospital that you've been putting on my heart to go do. Send somebody else. God, send someone else to talk to this person at my job that is just awful. God, send somebody else. Matter of fact, God, just go get them yourself. Just go, go get that person, God. Come on. You know we pray those kind of prayers. Especially, especially, friends, when it comes to our spouse and children. Get them, God. You saw how they treated me, God. Get them. Send someone else. <laughs> and they, but God's always wanting to deal with our heart. He wants to send us. He wants to get us. He wants to get our attention. And so here in his insubordination, Moses said, send someone else. And at this point, God gets a little upset. Verse 14 says, the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. (laughs) Man, this is the thing. If we don't step up and do what God has called us to do, he will send somebody else. I don't want to miss what God has called me to do. In the end, it's just Moses plain just didn't want to do it. Perhaps that's what it boils down to for the majority of us. I just don't want to let someone else do it. I don't want to serve in the nursery. Let someone else do it. I don't want to help with this church plant. 
It's in Waterville anyway, and we're here in South Toledo. Let someone else do it. Matter of fact, I don't even want to be a part of it. I don't want to be a part of helping in the kids' ministry. I don't want to be a part of speaking to a stranger about my faith. Let someone else do it. Lord, I'm going to pray for that person. Let me just pray, and you send someone else to do the speaking. I never want to say send someone else when God is calling me. Friends, I want to get real with you for a minute. Can I get real with you for a minute? This message was one of those download ones. It was one of those, oh my gosh, Lord, I feel so convicted. Like one of those messages for real. Because I, God is asking us to do something that he, that I'm like looking for a manual or a book or something out there, like a course. Like I told that lady, you know, read your Bible. I'm looking for one of those like easy ways to figure out what God is asking us to do because it's different than what I expected. And I've went through every single one of these reasons of I don't know how God. I've, I've faced my own identity issues, my own insecurities, my own feeling inadequate, my own ignorance. And then I'm like, I get to this last one, but God, I refuse to be insubordinate. I refuse to say, not me, you can't send someone. I refuse that. I won't go that far, God. And this is the thing. There is a calling on this house. There is a calling on this house to equip and send people. And it's been on this house before we ever called this place Vision Ministries. It was on this house when it was Solid Rock Ministries. It is on, I don't know why God would choose the corner of South and Broadway in Toledo, Ohio, one of the most impoverished parts of our city, and say, I'm going to use the people here, and I'm going to equip them, and I'm going to send them to touch the nations of the earth. I have no idea why. It means we probably will never have a big old mega church here, friends. Because God, just as soon as someone gets ready, he sends them out. And, and sometimes it gets frustrating because we feel like, but God, I just got to know, I just got comfortable with it being this way. I just got comfortable to these people that I know. And now God is saying, but you're going to do this. But I'm here to tell you, friends, God has got a call on your life. And he's asking you to be a part of what he's doing. And we've got to stop making the excuses that I don't like the way he's doing it. And I don't feel comfortable. And I feel insecure. And I feel inadequate. And I feel ignorant. And I have these identity issues. And we better not get to the place where we're insubordinate. And so this is what the Lord has shown me. That we need to get ready and we need to prepare. Because he's getting ready to do a new thing. Have you ever heard of an urban church planning a a location in the suburbs that way? I I haven't. I've never, I'm, there's nothing new under the sun, so I'm sure maybe somewhere, somewhere out there, but I've been Googling and I haven't found it. (laughs) But friends, he's calling us to do what hasn't been done before, but he is God and he's able. And if we would be willing to say, you know what, I want to be used by you, Lord. Whether I go or I stay and continue to plow here, we are all a part of what God is doing. The people who only come at Vision Kitchen is still a part of what God is doing. So this is what's going on. Waterville campus, we're going to have a soft launch. That means it's not going to be this huge like advertising thing we're going in. Sooner than we thought. We thought, well, hoped, hopefully Easter, but God has opened a door. We see a school there at uh, Waterville. 
um, primary school that we just need to get a few more things, but very likely, it's not said, we haven't signed the papers yet, but very likely it's going to be April 2nd. And what we feel God wants us to do to prepare for that, now listen, is that he wants us to come together at, for one service here at Vision Broadway again. And the reason why is because sometimes in order to take a step forward, we need to come together again. It kind of reminds me, like, when, when, and I'm not a big sports person, but I saw it in the spirit, if you will, a, a picture in my mind, at least, of a, a team, like a football team, huddled together before they make the next play. And I feel like the Lord's saying, I want you guys to come together and huddle together and come together again at one service so that when we send a group of people out, that it's, you're not going to feel it as much because we're going to have one service. And then that's going to give room for people to step up and to move and to grow. In. And when God says go back to two services, if he says that, then we will. Now, I struggled with this, to be quite honest, because I don't like to be up, down, you know, boom, 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 all, all over the place. I like to, you know, just the way I would have liked to picture it, it would have been a lot smoother and easier. But God is God. And he's going to do what he wants to do. And so I'm okay with the fact that sometimes we've got to come together and huddle. So April 2nd, we're going to be at 1030, okay? Um, I think it's going to be good for our church. It's going to make that service a little bit more full. And it's going to help our volunteers, like our worship team and our nursery and preschool workers and our kids' church workers be able to continue to grow and move and not feel, uh, you know, so the weight of everything that they're doing. So that's one thing that we're going to do now. Even though we're going to do that in April, again, that's one of the things, but God, I don't like it like this, but God is like, God is God. We're still going to have Easter and we're still going to have two services for Easter because we look at Easter as an outreach because let's be real. There are lilies and poinsettias. We call them Easter C&E Christians, Christmas and Easter Christians. The only time they're going to come to church, right? It's going to be on Christmas and Easter. So we're going to look at it as an outreach. So even though eight, two weeks before Easter, we're going to have one service for the next for uh, April, I think it's 2nd and April 9th, April 16th when it's Easter at Broadway, I'm going to be preaching. I'm going to be here. Pastor Josh will be at Waterville preaching. We're going to prepare in this place. We've never had less than almost uh, 450 at Easter. We're going to prepare for a lot of people to show up. And we're going to be ready on that day as, as an outreach. But then the following week, we're going to go back to a 1030 service and hope that some of those people come back again. But we're going to do everything that we can to prepare and to be ready. I want you guys to look at this as an honor, not as you are being rejected in any kind of way. We need to let go of our insecurities. The fact that God trusts us enough to do something that we've never seen done before speaks very well of you. Because this is not about just Josh and Joy. It's about the body of Christ here at Vision Ministries. I'm seeing people step up in ways I've never seen people step up before here and getting prepared. You know, kids' church is moving so great now. They have, um, they get to separate the oldest kids from the younger kids. Our ushers is the best it's ever been. I mean, we've got, we've got people, we've got an amazing worship leader and a worship team here. And God is raising up people out there, and he's raising up people here that's going to come with us out there. This is the thing. It's going to look different, and we don't really exactly, I wish I had everything laid out exactly how it was going to go, but we're going to do this by faith. And we need to come together and say, I won't be insubordinate. I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to do it. So 
The next couple weeks, we're going to have two services, but come April 2nd, it's going to be one. What we're going to do, and then probably next week, is we want to prepare. Uh, next week, Pastor Josh's big excuse that he's going to be preaching on is, I'm afraid. And so we're going to come together. And those who are co- going out with us, there's about probably 10 people from um, Vision Broadway, maybe a little bit more, that are going to be at Waterville. And we're going to pray over those guys. And we're going to believe that God is going to use them. Josh and I will be back and forth between both serve, both locations. And Pastor Earl, we're going to pray for him and his wife, Pastor Renee, because God is calling them to a higher calling. Um, God is calling them. I, I believe that eventually, and I hope soon, that Pastor Earl and Renee, Pastor Earl can um, work full time at the church. Can All that he does with working a 40-hour or sometimes plus 40 hours a week, can you imagine what we're going to get out of him when he's able to be here? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine all that he's going to be able to give? It's going to be a beautiful thing, but that means we've got to come together and we've got to support our leaders. And you know what? They have everything that they need for life and godliness. So let's believe together that God is going to do an awesome thing. I want to end with this. When we say, I don't know how, what a lot of times we really mean is, I can't do it. And Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. At the end of the day, let there be no excuse, no explanations, and no regrets. Would you stand to your feet with me? Let's close our eyes before the Lord. How many of you have felt the Lord calling you to do something and you've offered up that excuse, I don't know how to do it, God? Yeah. God wants to encourage you today.